Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Today's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A is a special one. It was recorded live on Monday night, June 1st on Instagram. We took live questions from folks in our Instagram live channel. We answered questions from Twitter and just got to the business of talking about the bills a lot. So as always, you can leave your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can send us tweets at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Leave comments in the comments section over on our show notes page at buffalorumblings.com. Instagram messages, Facebook messages, lots of ways to get in touch with the show to get your question answered next week. Because of the live questions, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, Folks were able to ask follow-up questions to their initial questions. And we just hit a lot of different topics from helmets to the season to different roster battles and roster spots. It's a little bit longer, too, because of the live format. So stay tuned through the end. Buffalo Bills fans, it's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, our weekly podcast over at Buffalo Rumblings where we ask, where you ask questions and we provide the answers. It's my first time doing a live Q&A in a very long time. We used to do these on YouTube and uh, use the YouTube live feature. I've never done it on Instagram before, so I'm pretty pumped uh, to be able to bring this opportunity to you today uh, in the middle of the offseason. So, uh Oh, Thomas Krauss, wave. Hi, hi. So I'm, I'm seeing some of you guys pop in. I don't exactly know how this works. Um, I see people populating it, but I don't see questions right now at least. So um, if that's what happens, I'll figure it out here in a second. So <laughs> we'll start there. Um, I am going to be looking at my screen at the side uh, if I have to pull up stats or uh, things like that. So um Hijack basketball, one, two, three. Uh, Felcoholic is here. One of my, uh, oh, there you go, Trainwreck Sports. Hi. Um, I love the Felcoholic just because it's my favorite uh, blog name in the SB Nation kind of universe. Um, I just really like the way that it's done. So um, I'm going to pull up actually a question from Twitter to get us started here. Alrighty with this, huh? Soko1018 on Instagram asks us, what do you think their record will be this year? We haven't done official record predictions uh, for the Bills just yet this offseason. I'm anticipating they're going to be 10-6, and and I think that's good enough to win the AFC East in 2020. Um, The AFC East is playing a very difficult schedule uh, against the AFC West, uh, against the NFC West. I just think 10 and 6 is good enough to win the division. Even 9 and 7 might be good enough to win the division this year without Tom Brady in New England. So, 10 and 6 is my uh, prediction right now. Last year, uh, I think I said 9 and 7. So, I tend to be a little bit on the, uh, I don't know, realistic side as opposed to the optimistic side as far as that goes. Um, David Fabian8073 asks us Do you think there will be fans at any games this year? Uh, It's a great question. Uh, We're starting to see some leagues around the world open up because of the COVID-19 shutdowns. Uh, We're seeing limited stadium capacities. Um, I don't think there's going to be a ton of fans in the stadium. I don't think that, you know, when the Bills host a primetime game that the place is going to be packed. It's going to be very, very different than the, the environment we're used to seeing. So, While I do think there will be some fans at the stadium, I don't think it's going to be the same experience. I'm actually really curious how the NFL is going to handle this going forward if they want to um, 
to pipe in crowd noise or or mic the coaches. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to hear stuff and the, the field mics are going to be able to pick up stuff. You might as well just go directly to the coaches and mic them up. So I'm pretty interested to see how everything's going. I mean, at least in New York State, things are starting to open up. It looks like there's going to be a season at least. Um, and I know that there was some concern about that earlier. So I'm at least happy that they're going to be you know, playing some sort of season. Can I scroll back through this? Oh, look at that. Look at Instagram. Um, Jay Phillips 6812 says, any chances of them bringing back the red helmets? Um, I, apparently the NFL passed a, uh, a rule change this year. It used to be that teams could only carry one helmet color throughout the season, um, and then they would have to go with just that one helmet color the entire season. But apparently, and this is, I mean, just off the top of my head, that um, the teams are going to be allowed to have a secondary helmet color now. If that's the case, I do fully expect the Bills to bring back a red helmet. If not this year, then at some point in the future and go with that. Um, so I that's I would love to see them. Uh, the early 90s or obviously when I became a Bills fan. You know, when the Bills were going to Super Bowls and I was seven years old, eight years old, right in my wheelhouse for, you know, my formative years. So it's a great question, Jay Phillips, 6812. Uh, briefly, I wanted to talk about my eye just a little bit. I think that's poison ivy. I've got some on my arm. I've got some on my legs uh, from some of the um, yard work I've been doing. So if if you see the, the red mark on my eye, it's not because, I don't know, I got into a fight with somebody today. Um Walter Bud 17 is Josh Allen going to be the MVP? I highly doubt it. Um, if the Bills, like Lamar Jackson last year, if the Bills are able to uh, run the table and somehow become the, I don't know, the number one seed in the AFC, I think it's a possibility. But I don't think he's going to put up the type of passing stats that are going to be necessary for him to win the MVP in 2020. He hasn't shown that ability. Um, Lamar Jackson had special running ability, and Josh Allen's very good running the ball, but I don't think he has been special in any area. So I think it would be difficult for him to win the MVP in 2020. All right, let's keep scrolling through here. <laughs> uh, Trainwreck Sports, uh, love you folks and hope all is well with your team. Uh, thank you very much. We love it over at Trainwreck Sports uh, as well. Um, if you had to guess who starts the season as the number four receiver, oh, I love this question. And uh, Bruce Nolan uh, over at the Nick and Nolan Show did a podcast on this uh, this week. Um, and uh, Joe Biscalia and Matthew Fairburn on the Bills Beat podcast also talked about it a little bit. So there's been a lot of, I don't know, information flying around about this uh, for a while. Um I just assume it's going to be Gabe Davis, the Bills' fourth-round pick from this year. Uh, he just has the physical tools. They drafted him in the fourth round, so he's obviously going to be on the roster. Um, maybe if you are talking about, say, Isaiah McKenzie or somebody that can come in and play that gadget role, um, it might be Isaiah McKenzie. It might be Andre Roberts. Uh, I can't remember. I went back and forth a lot on how many receivers the Bills were going to keep and if they were going to keep Isaiah McKenzie on the roster. I'm pretty sure I had them cutting Andre Roberts to keep Isaiah McKenzie as my last man in right after the draft. So I, I don't really want to change that right now. Um, this is the point in time where if I was like had a producer, they would pull it up for me and everything, but I'm kind of a one-man band here. Um, I think McKenzie adds more to the offense than Roberts does and can be acceptable in the special teams. He's been um, fielding punts. They can put Micah Hyde back there at a fair catch and do a punt catcher like uh, Wade Phillips did back in the day. Um, but I, if you're talking about who's going to get the most snaps, it probably is going to be a gadget player like Isaiah McKenzie. If you're talking about who's going to maybe get um, the most catches, I don't know if, I mean, if McKenzie's in there, he's going to get a ton of those little catches. Um, but if you're looking for like who's going to be like their fourth best receiver, not just somebody they can find a role for, um, I think Gabe Davis is going to be that guy that's going to be able to fill in um, if Stephon Diggs gets hurt or something like that. He's going to be the guy that's elevated uh, into that uh, outside receiver role. Thanks for your question, Trainwreck Sports. You guys can follow them too. Oh, figuring this out. Ooh, the Falcoholic favorite 2020 draft pick by the Bills. 
Also, any tips on defeating Tom Brady are welcomed. Well, asking Bills fans about defeating Tom Brady is probably not the best way to get advice on how to actually beat him. Um, at this point in his career, Sean McDermott uh, did a really nice job of kind of harnessing what the Patriots were able to do. So, um, you know, play really, really good defense, get a nice pass rush with the front four, and um, you know, have an all-pro cornerback <laughs> covering their best receiver if you could do that. That's how to stop uh, Tom Brady. Uh, the Falcoholic, again, uh, favorite 2020 draft pick by the Bills. I like the value of A.J. Epinesa. Uh, I thought he was a borderline first-round pick, and so having him fall to the Bills uh, was really nice. Uh, but I think Zach Moss is going to end up being most Bills fans' favorite pick from this draft just because he's going to get the ball. You're going to see him. You're going to be able to see him make an impact on a week-in, week-out basis. And um, he's just a fun guy to root for as long as he stays healthy. He, you know, He's a hard runner. He has a very good skill set, and I, I really like what he was able to bring to the table. I understand why Brandon Bean was trying to trade up to select him, uh, but they weren't able to do that. Uh, the Falcoholic is SB Nation's Atlanta Falcons blog, if you guys are interested in that. Oh, hi, Anthony Marino. Uh, who do you think gets extended first, Dawkins or Milano? Oh, that's a great question. Such a good question, because I'm not 100% sure that both of them get extended. Um, I value both of them. Um, I've probably put Milano ahead of Dawkins in terms of value, and I know that's kind of sacrilege because offensive linemen are so difficult to find in the NFL right now. Um, but um, I personally would extend Milano first because I think his skill set is just so tailor-made. It's so perfect for Sean McDermott's defense, and they can find another left tackle maybe, I guess, in uh, in free agency or the draft. Um you know, they're going to have a first-round pick next year, and maybe that's where they go with that. But Milano's skill set is um, pretty good. That We did just uh, do a 2017 redraft as SB Nation NFL bloggers, and we ended up taking Matt Milano at the top of the second round with the Bills, uh, I think it was 10th or 11th pick in the 2017 NFL draft. So he's moved up considerably since he was drafted. I think he's going to get a massive deal pretty soon here. And um, so I would personally extend Milano because – I think his skill set as a pass coverage linebacker is just very hard to find. Thanks for your question, Anthony. Um, moving down, moving down. Uh, who has a bigger third season, Saran Neal or Taron Johnson? Ooh, um, I'll go with Taron Johnson. I think he's a better player than Saran Neal, and I think he can play more snaps than Saran Neal. He just has to stay healthy, and I know that's, you know, something we've talked about over and over again that Saran Neal can't stay or sorry that Taron Johnson can't stay healthy I just think Saran Neal is more limited um so if if Johnson can stay on the field especially if he gets you know some rotating um playing time with say um who is it Dane Jackson who they just drafted in the seventh round uh they can keep him a little bit healthier or um you know even I don't know, EJ Gaines, if he makes the roster. So they can rotate a few guys into that position. Uh, but they obviously want to play a ton of nickel in 2020. They hired a nickel coach. Um, and they, you know, obviously invested in Taron Johnson and Saran Neal and other guys that can play inside in the slot. So I think it's going to be Taron Johnson. Um, but we'll see. I just don't love Saran Neal's uh, skill set. <laughs> Next question is, uh, was Stevie Johnson a top three receiver of the Bills from 2000 to 2018? Yes. I think he has the probably has the best stats uh, from that decade. So um, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty easy one. Let's go over to Twitter here. And remember, you can find us at Rumlings Q&A. That's what the word and spelled out on Twitter. And give us a follow there. That's where I solicit most of our questions, just because it's an easy place for me to kind of condense everything and find the questions uh, for our podcast. Uh, over there at Rum Leagues Q&A. Um, are there going to be fans at training camp? That's uh, Brian Resigno 1. I think maybe Brian asked about uh, camp or um, fans at the Bills game. But uh, I do not. I, do, I think there's going to be fans at camp. But I think there's going to be a lot fewer fans at camp. You're going to see tickets. Maybe it'll be even limited to, say, season ticket holders. Um, 
I just I think you're going to see fans at camp because it's one of the biggest marketing pieces that the Bills do during training camp. Now, if they move it back to New Era Field and do it at the Field House just because of the COVID circumstances, I I don't know what kind of bleacher setup they have, but you'll still probably see maybe like suite holders or folks that buy a certain number of season tickets uh, be eligible to come watch practice. So the, the media will probably still be there too. So we will probably still be able to see parts of training camp. Uh, it just is going to look a lot different, just like the season probably is going to look. <sighs> B Mormon 2020, one of our regular Twitter questioners asks us uh, what sophomore what's the sophomore stat line for Ed Oliver and what are sorry what sophomore stat line for Ed Oliver should we be looking for uh, what stat line would indicate a bust I don't think he can do anything that would make him look like a bust except for get arrested some more um, and what would indicate a rising superstar I think we've already seen that I've I think we've already seen that in his rookie season uh, he played very well he was double teamed a lot by other teams meaning they thought he was capable of disrupting their game plan. Um, I think with the addition of some of the other folks on the defensive line, we're going to see Ed Oliver be in the backfield a little bit more. Um, and even if he is drawing double teams, we'll see other people getting into the backfield a little bit more. Um, he was very, very good on the inside of the defensive line last year. So good that I don't think they ever thought twice about letting Jordan Phillips go at the end of the season, especially at the price tag they signed. Um, that he has eventually signed for. Uh, it just, I don't think they ever went too hard after him because they knew Ed Oliver was waiting in the wings and they had already spent a first round, a high first round draft pick on him earlier in the uh, last season. Okay. Thanks for your question, B Mormon 2020 over on Twitter. Again, that's at Rumblings Q&A. If you want to leave voicemails for our uh, future episodes, you can leave voicemail questions at 716 508-0405. It's a great way to get in touch with the show. Nobody wants to hear me talking for a half an hour. It's way better if you um, if you leave questions for us so that I don't have to be talking the whole time. I'm scrolling through some of these because a bunch of people are joining. All right. Um, no, I already answered that one. So let's go all the way back down to the bottom. What do you guys got for me? Who is the most likely current player to beat Bruce Smith's sack record? I don't know if any player is going to play that long. Um, I mean, let's look at the all-time sack list. Um, so Bruce Smith, for the record, 200 sacks. Reggie White, 198. Um, the top three are all in the Hall of Fame with Julius Peppers at number four sure to follow. Um, the top seven are in the Hall of Fame. Then it's Terrell Suggs, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, I would think, at some point, uh, but he's still playing. Um, if if you're talking about a current NFL player, uh, Terrell Suggs is at 139, so he would need 60 more sacks during his NFL career to get there. Um, if <laughs> Let's just look at his stats for a second. Uh, he hasn't had 10 sacks since, since 2017. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, 10 sacks since 2017. He'd need six years of 10 sacks to get there, which would put him at like 43 years old and uh, just not not going to happen. So I don't really think there's any player in the NFL that's going to get there. Um, Von Miller's at 100 right now. He got 106 in nine seasons. So he would need to play nine more years or so to get there, which would put him at, what, 40 years old. So I guess he could theoretically do it. Um, looking down the list, looking down the list. Yeah, I just, I'd find it hard to believe anybody in the NFL is going to be knocking on that door anytime soon. But, I mean, I guess, like I said, Von Miller might. Uh, there's certainly nobody on the Bills that's going to do that. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh Anthony Marino is asking me to do his job for him. Uh, who leads the Bills in receptions this year? That's an article Anthony's working on right now. Um, 
it's probably going to be Stefan Diggs. They're going to feed him the ball. They're going to want to feed him the ball. They're going to design the offense around getting him the ball. And then Josh Allen's going to find him. So, I mean, it just seems pretty, uh, pretty straightforward that he's going to do it. Let's look at the uh, 2019 Bills. Um, I just looked through these today. For my article on Dawson Knox dropping tomorrow, but the John Brown led with 72, Cole Beasley led with 67. I was pretty confident John Brown was number one, but I thought Beasley uh, was was really close. I think I said Beasley at the beginning of the year, uh, at the beginning of 2019, I guess I should say, because I thought that they were going to go to him so often underneath, um, and they did. They did that a lot. But uh, Brown made up for it. He had five more catches uh, than Beasley. And then way down the list. So you've got 72 John Brown, 67 Cole Beasley, and 29 Devin Singletary. So obviously a huge drop-off. I mean, they traded Zay Jones um, during the season, so that third wide receiver position was kind of open. Um, Dawson Knox dropped a few passes, or else he would have been third on the list, he had 28 catches. Uh, if he catches, I don't know, half of the drops he had, he would be over 30. But still, that's not great. So um, I would, I'm expecting Stephon Diggs to come in and be the leading receiver on this team in terms of receptions. Uh, thanks for your question, Anthony. Um, Markets Madness asks us, uh, with Tom Brady moving to Tampa, do Bills fans still throw a dildo on the field when playing New England? I hope not. I don't think they should have done it when he was there. I think it's weird. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I feel like Forrest Gump here. All right. Uh, I wanted to remind you, as uh, some more questions are coming in right now, uh, I wanted to remind you that we are running several series over at Buffalo Rumblings right now. We've got the 91 scouting reports in 91 days uh, where Sean Murphy is going through each player on the Bills roster to provide kind of an outlook for their 2020 season, what they've done in the past, and what they might do uh, in the future. That's the the really long series we have going on throughout the offseason. Jeff Kontrowski right now, you might know him as Scarecrow. He's going through and listing uh, some of the biggest plays and showing videos of some of the biggest plays from each of the Bills games from 2019. And then we're voting on the plays of the game. or Sorry, the play of the game. The play that actually defines that game. And then we'll run a little tournament with those uh, to see which play actually is the defining moment of the 2019 Buffalo Bills season. Dan Lavoy kicked off the all-decade team polls this week, or just today, actually, on Monday. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, and we're going to release it as the podcast on Tuesday. But um, the quarterback kicked off today uh, trying to find who was the best Bills quarterback from the year 2010 to 2019, and we're going through that series right now. Uh, the series I'm writing right now is on the best salary cap values for the Bills in 2019. We'll follow that up with the worst salary cap values on the Bills in 2019. So all those series are going on right now over at buffalorumblings.com. We don't have an offseason uh, because Bills fans don't have an offseason. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, All right, let's go back to the Instagram live questions. Uh, Timothy Paula asks us, what about share in the backfield between Yeldon, Moss, and Singletary? Well, let's go back to the Bills in 2019. Uh, as far as snap counts, I like to look at snap counts uh, just because I think it's a, a really good indication of how, how well they trust folks, uh, especially at the running back position because they're on the field for pass blocking in addition to everything else. Um, so Devin Singletary played uh, just under 50% of the offensive snaps. Frank Gore played 35%. So even if you go with, say, a 50-50 split between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, it'll be more like a 42-42% split um, because there'll be a lot of times when there's no running back on the field or TJ Eldon comes on the field because one of the other guys is hurt or something like that. Uh, so I mean, I expect them to be pretty close to 50-50. Um, Devin Singletary is probably going to be your 1A back with Zach Moss being your 1B back. 
especially with the truncated offseason and who knows what's going to happen with, you know, when rookies are going to actually be able to get on the field. So I, I anticipate Singletary being the lead back, quote unquote, but Moss getting plenty of opportunities, especially if they're going to run them out on, you know, first and second down with um, somebody coming in on third down. Uh, even if you see, say, Zach Moss coming in on first and second down and then Singletary playing third down or alternating series, I just think it's going to eventually even out that way. Uh Here's one thought experiment I had, though. Let's go back to the game-by-game analysis and see how they phased out Frank Gore as the season went on. So as the season started, actually Devin Singletary played 68% of the snaps in Week 1 against the New York Jets, but then he was back down to the 30s for the next two weeks against the Jets, or excuse me, against the Giants and the Dolphins. Then pretty much the rest of the way, 65%, 66%, 68%, 73 70 78%. So they eventually <laughs> turned it over to Singletary after he came back uh, from his injury in week, I guess it was game seven of the season. Uh, when he came back from his injury, he was the lead back. So um, if he gets that many, that high of a percentage of the snaps, Zach Moss isn't going to see the field very often. But that, I think, was a, more of a reflection of their level of trust for Frank Gore than it was for anything else. I mean, they trusted Frank Gore, but his ability to actually deliver running the ball, um, I think, was a lot lower by the time Singletary came back because he proved he wasn't able to carry the workload anymore. Uh, thanks for your question. Who was that? Timothy Paula. Okay. We'll be right back after this quick break. Don't go anywhere. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Yeldon, uh, Timothy added, uh, Yeldon has something to prove. Don't sleep on him. Yeah, he does have something to prove to make the roster. I don't know if the guy is going to make the roster. So um, if they want to keep a bunch of wide receivers, they might just go with um, Singletary and Moss and then keep Taiwan Jones as a special teamer that might be able to carry the load at running back. Uh, that'll allow them to keep an extra tight end or an extra wide receiver on the roster, or maybe an extra um, offensive lineman. So, <laughs> People are sleeping on Yeldon in the comments section over there on Instagram Live. Oh, where are we? Why can't I find what I was looking for? Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. Uh, who's your sleeper pick to make the roster this year? Ooh. Let's go back to that roster projection. And I can answer your question from earlier about uh, the wide receivers. I did have Isaiah McKenzie making the roster, and I did cut Andre Roberts, so I was correct in my recollection. That's good. Um, who do I think is the leaper pick to make the roster this year? Let's look through here. Is it weird to say Isaiah McKenzie? Probably. He had he had such a high snap count last year. Probably is. Um, 
I know a lot of people are going to say the uh, undrafted free agent uh, fullback. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, and he's not on my roster projection because I did it right after the draft before they had signed their undrafted free agents. Um, I think he's got an outside chance to unseat Patrick DeMarco, whatever his name is. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Undrafted free agents are not my thing. Let's see here. Nobody's, nobody's going to drop anything in the comments there. Bills undrafted free agent fullback. Gillum. Thank you, Afghan Twilight. <laughs> yes, you guys are saying Gillum. You're correct. Thank you. Um, I'm looking through the rest of the roster. I don't see a ton of... I actually see more surprise cuts than surprise guys that make the roster, unfortunately. Um, maybe Corey Bajorquez. Let's say him. He uh, He's probably my sleeper pick to make the roster this year just because so many people are down on him, so many people want to replace him, but um, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Corey Vedbeck to actually put up you know, anything remotely short of a competition there. Um you know, I, I've got three guys making court, the team at quarterback, which I think is kind of surprising based on Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean's roster building over the years. They've usually gone with two quarterbacks. So having three quarterbacks on the roster is kind of surprising. Uh, you know, four tight ends, f- five running backs. So maybe five running backs, keeping TJ Eldon on the roster as a sleeper pick. Um, but who knows? I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for that. Um, I, I just... There's so much depth at so many of these positions that somebody's going to have to play their keister off during some sort of whatever training camp preseason looks like in order to leapfrog some of these guys. Like, I mean, I had trades built into my 53-man roster projection just because they have so many interior offensive linemen and so many players at multiple positions that can make this roster. Thanks for your question, Det Dude BM, about my sleeper pick to make the roster. Who will be the next locker room guy like Kyle Williams? Well, I don't know if there's going to be another guy like Kyle Williams for a long time. Uh, Kyle Williams and Lorenzo Alexander uh, have both been pouring into some of those younger guys over the last several years trying to build them up, whether you're talking about Josh Allen or Tremaine Edmonds or even Tredavious White, uh, just building up those guys to make them leaders. And I think it was Lorenzo Alexander that said, you know, if, if those guys can't lead when we leave, we haven't been doing our job as leaders. So uh, if I had to guess, I would say, especially on defense, Tremaine Edmonds, the guy is very talented. He calls the place. He's in the middle of every huddle. Um, he's right in the middle of the defense. And I think he wants to be that vocal leader. So he's the guy I'm going to go with. I don't think it's going to be um, at Oliver or Jerry Hughes or, or somebody like that. I just think those guys, I don't know if that's like their main purpose on the team. Their main purpose on the team is to provide the edge. It's to play off of that leadership and be something different than that. So uh, I'm going to go with Tremaine Edmonds, who is like there to be the process in the middle of the defense. Thanks for your question. Is oh, I'm going to say it wrong. So, uh, Kolmogorov, smooth jazz. Thanks for your question. Timothy Paula says, who's the first contract extension? Um, I said earlier in Instagram Live that I think I would choose uh, Matt Milano over Deion Dawkins, but if I'm choosing just one, I'm choosing Tredavious White, uh, the all-pro cornerback. Uh, He's a guy that can shut down the opponent's number one receiver week in and week out. Uh, I think he's super important and vital to what Sean McDermott wants to do on defense. So I would choose him first, but he has to want to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons you saw the fifth-year option is that I think he wants to wait a little bit longer to get a a bigger contract a year from now. Thanks for that question, Timothy Paula. As a reminder, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A is a podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Uh, We release our shows every Tuesday, but there's a lot more shows where that came from. 
we have the Circling the Wagons podcast. They've already commented here in our Instagram live today. Uh, so uh, make sure you give them a follow at ctwpod on Twitter and uh, download and listen to their podcast there. The, um, they have the latest podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network right now where they go back through the uh, embedded series uh, on the NFL draft. Uh, there's the Believe podcast with John Boccasino. Um, they just posted their most indispensable bills and developmental prospects. Um, we've got Breaking Buffalo Rumblings with Anthony Marino. Uh, the Nick and Nolan Show with Nick Bat and uh, Bruce Exclusive or Bruce Nolan, depending on where you're following him. Uh, we've got just a lot of great information on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Uh, it's not just me. It's lots of other guys, just like the website is. So many great writers, so many great perspectives. Guys doing a whole bunch of different things. Uh, you get some of your X's and O's. You get some of your opinions. You get some of your news and notes. And just lots of different ways to look at the roster. So if one show isn't your cup of tea... You can get other shows, and maybe they, those kind of align with what you're doing uh, in your Bills fandom a little bit more. Uh, how big do you think Diggs will be for the Bills, says Soko1018. I think Stefan Diggs is going to reveal a lot. And um, they say that money doesn't make you greedy or money doesn't make you a bad person or, or anything like that. It just... Um, amplifies what you're going to be. And so I think Stefan Diggs is going to amplify the quarterback that Josh Allen is going to be. I think if Josh Allen can click with Stefan Diggs, then you're going to see a quarterback who can really go, I don't know, above and beyond and uh, what he's done so far in the league and really take that next step into maybe even the middle of the road NFL quarterback or an upper tier NFL quarterback. I'm not... 100% optimistic that that's going to happen. I think Diggs, the best thing Diggs can do is come in and help Josh Allen with the deep ball. Because if he hits one of those deep balls every game, the Bills are scoring four points more a game. They're you know adding, I don't know, 40 yards more per game. That's going to put him into really good statistical territory. Just hitting one of those deep balls a game. Now, I think that might be asking a lot. So let's go maybe even every other game. So that's going to add 300, 400, 500 yards to his total this season. That puts him at, from last year to this year, at what, 3,600 yards? Is that right? Yeah, he was at uh, 3,089. So if you add 400, 500 yards to that, that's just one of those big pass plays per game. I mean, he's still not in the upper echelon. He's still not at 4,000 yards. He's not even at Drew Bledsoe when Drew Bledsoe came to Buffalo territory as far as, yard, as far as yardage is concerned. But it'll improve his accuracy. It'll improve the narrative for sure. And it'll get the team in position to win more games because they'll be able to score you know, one, two, three more points per game on average, if they can hit one of those deep balls every game. And, of course, the defense is going to keep them in game. So um, how big do I think Diggs will be? I think he can add a pretty good dynamic to this offense because he can track a deep ball better than the, any of the Bills wide receivers could last year. Thanks for your question, Soko1018. On Instagram Live. Timothy Paula asks about the nickel corner job. I, I think that Taron Johnson's going to have the inside track to that. Uh, Josh Norman's going to have the inside track to the uh, CB2 job. Uh, even if he platoons with Levi Wallace, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity for those top three cornerbacks to play. Uh, so I think uh, Taron Johnson's going to be your slot receiver or slot cornerback, uh, at least at the start of the season, until he gets hurt. Aw, that was mean. I'm sorry. Um, ooh, uh, Kevin Osland asks us, I read the great post on the one score games. We actually had two, one where we talked about all the bills, one score losses, and one where we talked about all the bills, one score wins. So above that line and below that line, uh, what's the one or two things the bills need to do to get on the right side of those one score games? Being consistent helps. Uh, if you go back and look at the one-score losses that the Bills had, actually, even if you look at the one-score wins the Bills had, let's let's take the wins first. Uh, they beat the Jets. They beat the Giants. They beat 
the Titans, and all of those were because the other team made mistakes. The Bills were consistent, got the job done, just like we've seen the Patriots do to the Bills year after year. You know, the Patriots were always consistent, did the right thing. The Bills messed it up and lost the game. Uh, so the Bills just didn't lose those games. So being consistent helps that. Um, in their game against, say, the Eagles, where they lost by more than one score, or they their one-score losses, it's because of mistakes. It's because of a Josh Allen fumble. Uh, it's because of a tipped interception or uh, someone couldn't come down with a contested catch or something like that. So consistency, I know I sound like Sean McDermott a little bit, but consistency is the name of the game with those one-score games. You know, It's hard to win a game in the NFL. Uh, it's a game of inches. I can come up with lots of these cliches, but it really is true. If the Bills can avoid turnovers and use their defense, they're going to be in a lot of those games, as you saw by the fact that they were in a ton of one-score games in 2019. So consistency is the best way to get on the right side of those uh, one-score games. Uh, whether it's extending a drive late in the game, uh, something they didn't something they weren't able to do against the Browns, uh, and they ended up losing that game because they weren't able to score points and they weren't able to keep the ball away from Baker Mayfield and the rest of the Browns' offense. The Afghan Twilight, does Josh Allen get a second contract in Buffalo? I think so. Um, if you count the fifth-year option, I definitely think so. So, uh, I mean, I, it, the fifth-year option is part of the first contract. I get that. Um, I do think he gets a second contract in Buffalo. I think they're married to him. Um, even if he stays at the level that he's at right now, by the time that that fifth-year um, expires, I think they might. He's done better than, say, Mitch Trubisky or, you know, one of these other guys that doesn't get a contract extension. So you're talking about, I I think he would have to be pretty bad over the next couple of years to not get a second contract. Now, it may not be a very big second contract. It might be contingent on certain other aspects of his stat lines or starts or whatever. But I think that at this point, he's on that trajectory to get a second contract in Buffalo. Is it fair to ask that at this point? I think it's fair to ask if he's tracking the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we saw Mitch Trubisky, like I just mentioned, lead a team to the playoffs and then completely fall apart in the second in his next season. So if Josh Allen does that now uh, and completely falls apart next year for the Bills or completely regresses after they added uh, Stephon Diggs and after they kept the offensive line the same and after they added Zach Moss, and after they added so many new tight ends last year and John Brown and Cole Beasley, I just don't think it's going to happen. So I think it's fair to ask at this point, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's 9.43. Who else has questions for me? Uh, we're going to end this at some point in the next, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. I got up at 5 today, so... Got to get the beauty rest. <laughs> it's funny. I keep having alerts pop up from Slack in here too. So I've got the Instagram live stuff. I've got Twitter and I've got Slack from the writers who are watching. Um, anyone hear anything about us signing Cam Newton? No. And I don't anticipate the bills doing that um, unless there's an injury to Josh Allen. So I just don't see it happening. Do you think Brian Dable gets fired this year? Uh, this is from Buffalo Bills report on Instagram. I don't think he gets fired. Um, I think it's more likely he gets hired somewhere else and promoted to a head coach somewhere um, after Josh Allen looks reasonably confident or and competent too as the Bills started quarterback. Um, I, I just I like Brian Dable. Uh, I've liked several of the Bills offensive coordinators over the years. Um, I, I can remember saying that I really liked Alex Van Pelt. Uh, when he was here, he got thrown into a bad situation, but I liked um, Alex Van Pelt and what he brought as the Bills offensive coordinator. And I feel the same way about Brian Dable. I think he is, <clears throat> I think he's very good at what he does. I think he's very good at designing things and um, 
people are going to give him grief for, say, that long pass to, to Patrick DeMarco. But that Patrick DeMarco was not the first read on that play and probably wasn't the second or third or fourth read. He was like the, oh, crap, I just need to throw somewhere read on that play. So I like Brian Dable as the... <laughs> I like Brian Dable as the Bills' offensive coordinator. Uh, P. Sharif Sharifapur uh, writes that Brian Dable uses the best wax for his head. It's always amazingly shiny. Yeah, I'm sure he does. That's it's probably pretty. I mean, it's elite. But uh, I going back to the original question. I think Brian Dable is a very good offensive coordinator. Um, do I think he's you know outstanding? No, but I think he is good enough and they want to build that consistency they want to build that continuity um keeping him around helps josh allen get better if josh allen starts to regress then maybe you'll see them with an outside hire but you know that there's a reason that the bills are one of the only teams that have has had consistency at the coordinator positions for the last several seasons and it's because He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Um, also because Rick Dennison was very bad and I did not like him. And so they hired somebody else and they've been able to work it out since then. So um, I, th- I think they've seen what it could look like without Brian Dable and they are okay with what Brian Dable brings to the table. So thanks for that question. Uh, Buffalo Bills report. I think that's who asked the question. Yeah. Over on Instagram live. The question is if he's a leader of men. Oh. Who? Brian Dable? I don't know. I think a lot of the Bills and the Bills coaches are leaders of men. That's one of the reasons that they hired them. All right, so this is from Kevin Osland again. Uh, if the Bills end up playing in half-empty stadium, or sorry, half-empty New Era field because of COVID, does it disadvantage them more than other teams? Maybe. Um, the Bills certainly play off the crowd. I don't know. It's interesting you specifically said New Era field um, because Bills fans are certainly loud at New Era Field, but I think it might disadvantage them more in some of their road games. Just think about Nashville last year or Pittsburgh or even Houston. The Bills had a very large contingent of happy fans there, of Bills fans there. And so if you know that gave the Bills some comfort on the road, they might not have that this year. And so, you know, think about the Bills playing in Oakland this year. It would have been Oakland or sorry, Oakland, in Las Vegas this year. It's the first season in that stadium. A ton of Bills fans were going to go to that game and infiltrate the stadium, and you would have been able to hear Bills fans in that Las Vegas stadium. Now, are you going to be able to hear that? I don't know. So it's the same thing for you know other teams coming to Buffalo, I guess, but um, I, I think Bills fans in New Era Field are loud. Um, I certainly think that it was a disadvantage to be an opposing quarterback at New Era Field, and now the Bills aren't going to have that opportunity. So, yeah, it's probably going to be a disadvantage for the Bills, um, but I also think it's going to be a disadvantage on away games. So, yeah. Um, oh, uh, Buffalo Bills Report asked a follow-up question about uh, Brian Dable. and said, if Allen struggles, what about Ken Dorsey? Uh, Dorsey was the athletic director at like Florida, was it Florida International or Florida Athletic University a couple years ago? The Bills plucked him off that job to make him the quarterback's coach. I don't necessarily think he's on an upward trajectory toward offensive coordinator. Maybe he is. Um, He was quarterback coach for Cam Newton um, and the Carolina Panthers. So maybe he's on an upward trajectory and just had to take that one year off. But, um, I don't know if I necessarily want a first-time play caller uh, with a young quarterback like Josh Allen in there either. So there's a, that's a lot of uncertainty uh, if you make Ken Dorsey the offensive coordinator because then you're changing his quarterback's coach and his offensive coordinator. So you're bringing in you know two new guys essentially, even though I know one's a promotion. So, thanks for your uh, follow-up question, Buffalo Bills report.
Buffalo Bills report asked me if Ken Dorsey was the offensive coordinator in Carolina. No, he was the quarterback's coach from 2013 to 2017. Was the offensive coordinator like an interim? Nope. Nope. He was fired January 2018 uh, with the rest of the offensive staff. And um, Florida International University. I was right. Okay, cool. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for us here at uh, our Instagram Live. I wanted to make sure you guys knew how to get in touch with us for future episodes. You can tweet us at RumlingsQ&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. You can call us and leave a voicemail at 716-508-0405. Email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. You can find us on Instagram right here, Buffalo Rumlings on Instagram. You can send us a message. You can send us Facebook messages. Um, there's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. We post our show notes every Tuesday. You can leave questions in the comments section of those show notes articles as well. So thanks everybody for participating tonight. It was really nice interacting with you all on a different platform. We're probably going to try a new platform in a month, uh, whether it's taking live questions on Twitter, Facebook, something like that. Uh, but we'll be eventually back to, uh, to Instagram at some point to do an Instagram live. Thank you all for hanging out with me on this Monday night. Um, and go Bills. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please head over to Twitter. Leave us some questions for next week's episode at Rumlinks Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Or leave us a voicemail at 716-508-0405. Facebook messages, Instagram messages also work. You can email us, buffalorumlinks at sbnation.com. Leave us messages in the show notes over at buffalorumlinks.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with us to have your questions answered next week as we continue into this very strange Buffalo Bills offseason. Thanks for listening. Thank you.